business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money moves. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Medsell. I am your host, and I'm joined in another installment of Your Four by co-host Brandon. What's going on, man? What's happening, man? Not a lot. I'm excited for this one. I am too. I've had a little sneak peek at the questions. They're goodies. There's some good ones. And they, I, I always love these episodes you're for where we have like a business question. And then we have like a relationship question. You know, and then we just have like a random question that's just out of left field. You know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good mix. So you guys are in for a treat in this episode. Uh, Brandon, before we get into the questions, man, let's talk about this new uh, price beat guarantee that we have rolled out across uh, Massive Joe's. It's exciting. It's ridiculous, actually. It we've is. always had, we, we, we've actually, I'm not going to say we've always had a price beat guarantee. We've had a price beat guarantee for probably the last, I don't know, four, five years-ish, something like that. Um, but it was very restrictive and there were kind of like all of these exceptions where like we wouldn't beat prices if it was part of a special or, you know, if someone was doing a discount or if someone was using an affiliate code or any of that sort of shit. And we said, you know what? We are ultimately the people's company in this space. Uh, that's kind of one of our little taglines. We've always put the community first. And uh, with the price of everything going up at the moment, like crazy, the cost of living, fucking petrol, fucking groceries, um, rent, um, everything is going up. We're like, what can we do for you guys to make sure that when it comes to your subs, you are getting the absolute best price and the absolute lowest price to try and offset all of this crazy inflationary pressure at the moment. And so we said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going back to drawing board with the price we guarantee. We rolled it out last week. And to keep it really simple, we will beat anyone's price by a dollar with pretty much no exception. So it doesn't matter if it's part of a special. It doesn't matter if you've got an exclusive discount code. It doesn't matter if someone's doing a 30% off site-wide sale. We don't care. We will beat everybody's price. It's really cool. Mm, so good. Yeah. And both in-store and online as well. So uh, real simple. Um, we're trying to keep it as simple as possible as well. So that's why I say like this practically no exceptions. Uh, the best place to check out details, guys, is if you just go to massivejoes.com forward slash price dash beat dash guarantee, or you know what? Fuck that. Let's keep it simple. Go to Google, type in Massive Joe's Price Beat Guarantee, and it'll be the first thing that comes up. And you'll see, you know, how you provide evidence, whether you're shopping online or whether you're going into store of a, a better price uh, for us to be able to beat it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do everything we can for you guys to make sure that um, there's really no reason for you to go anywhere else to buy your subs, your protein, your pre-workouts, your hormone subs, your aminos. Come to MJ's, man. We got you. Brandon? Yes. We got four questions. Let's get into it. Awesome. Question one. My partner owns a business that has lots of moving parts and is always having the usual staff issues, external work distractions, and other issues. I believe that because he's at the top, it's hard to trust others when it comes to talking through issues or getting new ideas. Your business is large with moving parts. Do you have someone that you as a business owner goes to, like a mentor or someone similar? 
This is a really good question. This is a really good business question. And it's interesting that it's being asked by the partner of the business owner, <laughs> isn't it, right? Because obviously this partner cares about um, their their partner and can kind of see from the outside uh, the, the challenges that this particular business, I don't know if it's a he or a she, um, this particular business owner is, is, uh, is going through. There's a couple of things to unpack here. The first thing, you know, just to answer the question straight up, um, I do have someone that that I go to um, when I need to talk through things, somebody who I trust, uh, and that's my wife. Uh, Amy and I talk about business all the time, uh, and you know, it's it's taken a, a number of years to get to that point um, of effectively me kind of leaning into the vulnerability about sharing more and more business challenges. Um, business issues uh, and just talking to her about the different moving parts, so to speak, of the business that I'm kind of struggling with. And, you know, she really is my um, counsel, I guess, you know, uh, when it comes to to, um, any of these sorts of business issues. On top of that, I do have professional advisors, right? So I have professional accountants, I have lawyers, I have a HR consultant, you know, I have different professional advisors in different um, uh, professions that when I'm a bit stuck and I need professional advice that I, uh, that is outside of my realm of knowledge, I'll go and I'll, you know, meet with these people or give them a phone call or say, you know, I'm, I'm stuck on this. Can you help me out? And I've developed, once again, those are, those are relationships that have been developed over many years. And so there's trust there as well, um, where I'm happy to have open, vulnerable, honest, candid conversations with the, these professional advisors um, so that I can get the sort of advice that I need. And I guess on the flip side of that, um, I do business mentoring as well. You know, So I have a, a number of clients and a number of different, different businesses um, that we ha- that I guess have developed trust with me over the years, uh, and you know they'll come to me for advice as well. So you know I guess that kind of answers that part of the question. To kind of read between the lines here, I would be interested to know where the issue with trusting others comes from, because the question is asked um, because he's at the top. It's hard to trust others when it comes to talking through issues or getting new ideas. I would be interested to know where that issue with trust comes from. And I think there's probably a few different things to, to look at here. I think it could be through the style of leadership. You know, is this particular business owner a, an um, autocratic or an authoritative leader? Or are they a servant leader? Typically, autocratic, authoritative leaders, it's my way or the highway, my interests above all else. Um, there's an issue with with trusting other people within the business there because of that style of leadership. Whereas as a servant leader, it it's on it gets flipped on its head, right? So you you kind of go, okay, well, I'm I'm going to get the opinions of the different people within the business who I can trust and I can open up to and I can be vulnerable with uh, to help me make the best possible decisions. And I guess that kind of ties a little bit into you know ego as well. And you know, ego kind of has negative connotations around it. We all have an ego. It just depends, you know, how it, how it kind of manifests in, um, in each of us. But I would be really interested to, to dive into that. You know, why is there an issue with trust there? Yeah. Like, could it be, okay, they're less experienced, so I don't really want to take their advice. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Or, yeah. but look, I, I'm not currently a business owner, but 
I think it does. It applies to like fields where or careers where you want to excel or or grow. Yeah. Um, like yeah, I look at the you, well, you look at the people in your industry or the people that that are doing what you want to be doing, or just the people that inspire you and you you study them and you you emulate them. Um, you execute what they preach. Or if it's someone that you know on a personal level, like reach out to them, like build those, like you said, you've built that, those connections, those, those networks, really just, if you want to surround yourself by people, like with people like that, they just reach out to them. Yeah. I think so much of it has to, has to uh, do with leaning into that vulnerability around trust, right? Is like in order to build trust, you kind of need to let your guard down a little bit. Which for, for somebody in this sort of situation, obviously trust is an issue. So that's going to be uncomfortable. But there's really no other way to kind of get through it, right? You, you need to have the courage to take that step, let your guard down and kind of go, well, you know what? I have to give benefit of the doubt when it comes to trust about whoever I'm going to share this information with, whether it's a professional advisor, whether it's a partner, whether it's um, other people within the business, staff members, different leaders within the business, I have to take that step because if I don't, I'm going to be stuck here. I think it's interesting, you know, to, to kind of discuss the culture that we have here at MJ's as well because something I've been very conscious of, you know, back when I was younger, I was very much an uh, authoritative leader, you know, <laughs> as I think you kind of are when you first get into business, especially if you've started a business from the ground up. It's kind of like, you know, this is my baby. Um, I make the decisions. Uh, I'm not willing to share my decision-making process with anybody else. Uh, it's my way or the highway. And, you know, all of the different elements of that. And as I've kind of developed uh, as, as a professional and as a leader, and I've had more time in business, I've shifted much more towards servant leadership. And I've spoken about that a lot in this podcast and a lot in, in this segment as well in your for when we get different leadership questions. But one of the things that I've been very conscious around trying to model the, the company culture around is this concept that um, Ray Dalio talks about called an idea meritocracy, which effectively is, it doesn't matter who the, the quote unquote leader is. It doesn't matter what the um, pecking order is or what the hierarchy is. The best ideas need to win. So how do you create a culture where the best ideas kind of bubble to the top? Well, it starts with vulnerability because the people at the top of the hierarchy, the people at the top of the pecking order, the quote-unquote leaders need to have the courage to have the vulnerability, to have the trust, to give the trust to the other people within the business and discuss the difficult issues, right? And discuss the different ideas and ask for feedback on the different ideas. And you would see me do this all the time. Very rarely will I make an important business decision without running it past the management team here at MJ's. You know, like I'll, I'll always say, guys, this is what I'm thinking about. I did it this Monday morning. I said, this, this was I actually went back on a decision that I'd made last year. And I explained why. As I said, this was the decision that I made at the end of last year. This was the thinking behind that decision, which at the time I shared with you guys and we were all in agreement. Things have changed. The assumptions that that decision was based on have now changed. This is where we're currently at. 
this is the new decision that I'm thinking about making. What do you guys think? And that takes a lot of, a lot of, of trust in you guys to be able to do that. Because me sharing that decision-making process, I could be wrong. You guys could come back at me and say, you know what? Wrong decision. Like, you fucked that up. Your, your assumptions are not correct. Or you've looked at this in the wrong way. Or your perception of what's actually happening is incorrect. But it allows me to kind of lean into that vulnerability and go, well, I actually don't care because I want the best ideas and the best decisions to bubble to the top. And I don't, I don't give a fuck if it comes from me or if it comes from Brandon or if it comes from Leah or if it comes from or whoever in the business. I don't care. If it's the best idea and it's the best decision, that's what we need to do as a business. And that's a really important element of building a company culture that ultimately develops trust within the different members of the team. Next question. Question two. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm the only one showing physical and emotional interest. What do I do? Couple of things here. Um, the first one is examine your feelings. Um, are they objectively true? And there's a nuance here, right? Because the way you feel is always true because it's the way you feel and you're entitled to your feelings. So you, you, you can feel that, you know, you're the, you're the only one showing the physical interest. You're the only one showing the emotional interest and you're entitled to those feelings. Step back. Are they objectively true? Is there evidence to support what you're saying? That you are actually the one showing physical and emotional interest? Or is your partner also doing it, but perhaps in a different way? I think that that is, is really initially important to, to step back from that and look at it objectively. The second part is different people have different love languages, right? There's five main love languages um, that have kind of been agreed upon. I can't remember the author's name, but he wrote a book on it and it's literally called Love Languages. <laughs> and the five love languages that were, um, I mean, you can Google this uh, if you want to go into depth. The, the five lang love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. So the next thing to do is, are your love languages in alignment? Because obviously for you, showing physical interest, which is physical touch, is one of the most important love languages. That may not be the same for your partner. Your partner, physical touch might be right down the bottom. So to them, it doesn't rank high in their love language, but perhaps acts of service for them rates very highly, but it doesn't rate highly for you. So there might be a misalignment there where you could be acting in accordance with your love languages and it's just not being received by your partner the way that you would receive it if your partner was acting that way towards you. So I think really understanding the, the, um, the different love languages there is really important. And then finally, have you communicated? Like super basic, right? But it's, so many yeah. people don't do it, right? And I've been here, man. Like I've been, I've been through a divorce. I've been through a failed engagement when I was much younger. Uh, and communication is always at the root of all of these fucking issues. You know, have the uncomfortable conversation. I can't say it any more clearly than that. Have the uncomfortable conversation. Because if you don't, 
and you kick the can down the road and you just get yourself all worked up and you bottle these feelings up or you brew on these feelings and you're like, I'm the one showing this and I feel this way and they're not reciprocating and you know where your mind goes with all that sort of stuff and you end up resenting your partner, but you haven't even spoken to them about it. So they don't even know what the fuck you're thinking. And you kick the can down the road because it's an uncomfortable conversation. The thing with delaying uncomfortable conversations is the longer you delay the uncomfortable conversations, the more uncomfortable the conversations become. Mm-hmm. Man, though, you, you, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like those two things, communication and the love language thing is exactly what I had. Um, I've, that's something that I've put down to really focus on this year. In my, in my intimate relationship, but all my relationships is communication because I think communication in relationships, particularly your, your romantic relationship, all relationship is, is the most, it's the single most important thing. Mm. And it could be as easy as, yeah, like you said, have the conversation with your partner. Um, everyone has different needs. Everyone has different wants. And yeah, like Joe says, there's different love languages. Like yours could be, well, it is uh, physical touch. It could be quality time. Your partner's love language could be acts of service. Um, her love language could be, okay, the way she expresses and feels love or likes receiving love is she likes running errands for you or cleaning the house up for you. And that's the way she showed love or spending time together is your, is the way you, you um, receive or, or like sharing love. Um, and it's not being reciprocated. We've been sharing notes, see? <laughs> but I, you know, the other thing that's important as well is that there's no, like the love languages, there's no right or wrong. People are just different. You know, so like with, with um, Amy, my wife and I, our top three love languages are exactly the same, but they're in different orders, right? So the most important love language to me is not the most important for her. They're actually flipped around, but we're generally in alignment because our top three and then the bottom four and five to both of us are not particularly important. So we kind of know what's important to each other and what order, what order they sit in for us to both express love for each other and receive love for each other. And having awareness around that is so important because it then allows you to communicate around it as well, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I, I, yeah, I think that, that that's probably how you deal with the situation. And there needs to, in relationships, there needs to be compromise as well. So your lang- love languages might be the exact opposite. Mm. So whether your love language is like physical touch, and your partner might not be touchy-feely at all, then she's going to need to at least accommodate that every now and then um, to know that you're receiving the love and you're feeling the love as well as that's your way of giving it and vice versa, obviously. Yeah. Next question. What's something you miss from your childhood? It's a great question. When this, you start, this got though. me like all nostalgic and shit. <laughs> I was like, how long do I want to ask? No, um, I, I've got a couple of things. Um, the first one on just a very surface level is basketball. You know, I, I, all of my childhood memories involve basketball. I had a basketball in my hand from like the first memory I have until my late teens when I kind of transitioned away from basketball and into, into the fitness space. Uh, so basketball is something that I really miss from childhood. And I think the other thing that kind of encompasses everything, I was um, giving this some thought just before because I did have a sneak peek at this question, um, was just childlike naivety around everything you know, around, around everything. Like you just, you know, it, it's kind of like as you get older, 
you you open up Pandora's box. <laughs> well, it's actually it's more like a babushka. You kind of open up the, the first babushka and then the next one, and kind of once you've opened them up, you can never close them back again. And I think you know, as as a child, you just have um, you know an element of um, naivety around about the world that's just joyful, you know. It's and it's like, the way it should be. It's almost like ign- ignorance is bliss. Yeah. yeah. No, it is is exactly like ignorance is bliss. That's um that that's the best way to articulate it. What about you, man? Yeah, look, you can answer this question in so many different ways, man. Like you said, basketball, I missed like footy, I missed school. Like just those even though I didn't love school, just the just the people, the friends, just having not having a care in the world, man. Um you can also think of it in like a mental way as well, just being more present and not worrying about the past and the future as much. Um really about other people like you cared about when you were at school and things like that, you did care, but not to the extent that we do caring about other people's opinions and things like that. Then there's like not overthinking things and just doing it when you're a kid. Whereas now we just overanalyze the fuck out of everything. (laughs) So those are pretty much those in a general sense is what like they're what I miss as like in a mental aspect. And then things like technology, man. I miss not being like ruled by technology, like phones. I yeah, miss those. That's, like, a, that's a good one, actually. And that's obviously, that's generational, right? Yeah. That's, that's um, you know, we've kind of, I mean, you're younger than me, but we, we've grown up in a similar generation. And that's kind of like the generation that we've grown up in. Whereas you think like our parents and our grandparents, they didn't go through the technological advances that we have gone through that have shifted so significantly from when we were children to as we've become adults. Um, that's a good one, actually. Well, those yeah. those are pretty much the main ones that I miss. I mean, there's lots of memories that I'm that I'm really really glad that I had yeah. um, that have like shaped me as well. But yeah, pretty much just those are the main ones, or just little ones like not having to worry what you eat. That, that was good. <laughs> just eating whatever the yeah. fuck you wanted in school and stuff like that. But yeah. just that stuff, yeah, man. Not having not having there. somewhere to be. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. No, it's nice lots. to think about, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you kind of go back a little bit, but. Um, but you know, very grateful for for um, ha- like happy to miss things, but very grateful for all of the experiences as 100%. well. You know, and I wouldn't trade them for the world. Hundred percent. All right, last question: What are the best ways to get over strong limiting beliefs? You can't, and you don't. And I think that's really important to understand because. Um, one of the traps that I see a lot of people falling into when it comes to limiting beliefs, and man, limiting beliefs is like. It's such a um, trending topic at the moment, isn't it? Like I, I don't, I can't remember hearing anything about limiting beliefs over like the last five plus years, and then all of a sudden, it seems like the last six months, everyone's now aware of limiting beliefs and self-limiting beliefs and questioning their limiting beliefs. And I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? It's very you know, weird because we had this question. Um, we've actually pushed this podcast back a week because yeah. we were very busy last week, and we we're obviously we had a week. In advance, but yeah. this morning, like today, we had this podcast. And do you, you obviously subscribe to Andy's email? Did you see the one this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. Synchronicity. Yeah. That's Andy Frisella, by the way, one of the owners of First Form. Uh, he writes a, a daily um, blog email, and this morning it was about limiting beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> very, very strange. <laughs> like, very what are the chances, man? Especially because we did push this back a week. So, um. Yeah, that's that's the, fir- the that's the first thing to recognize is you, you never get over your limiting beliefs. They're always there. They're a part of who you are. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of the limiting beliefs 
that you have are actually built into you through your childhood. So you can't kind of go back and remove the experiences and, um, you know, remove the way that you were raised and remove the influences and all of these different things that kind of led to you believing what you believe, uh, whether it's limiting or inspiring or, you know, whatever it is, they're kind of, they're inbuilt and they never go away. I want to talk about success capacity in this context because, and I've spoken about success capacity before in different contexts, but this is really one of the most important applications of my definition of success capacity because you'll find out in a second why. Success capacity, in a nutshell, as you come up against bigger, more difficult, more significant challenges and obstacles and you go through the really difficult shit, the process of confronting and conquering and persevering through those challenges and those obstacles and those difficulties, develops a greater success for capacity in your future. One of the reasons why that's how you develop greater success capacity is because as you go through the challenges and the obstacles and the difficulties, you hit your head against these glass ceilings and the glass ceilings help develop the ability to recognize beliefs you have that are limiting and to question those beliefs. And there's no other way to get that awareness and that recognition. And if you don't have the awareness and the recognition, you can't question the beliefs. They're just going to sit there and they're going to continue to do what they do. And until you have like that light bulb moment, or like I say, hitting your head against the the glass ceiling because you've come up against the challenge, you've come up against the obstacle, you've come up against the difficulty and you're just so fucking frustrated that you can't get through it that you have to recognize, become aware of and question the belief that is making you hit your head up against that glass ceiling. It's the only way that you get to that point. What are your thoughts before I continue? May I continue? Continue, okay. yeah. I'll give some examples because it's one thing to talk, you know, in, in, in kind of theories and, and, and analogies, but I'll give you my example. So I have, I have five main limiting beliefs. I'm going to pull out three of them. I'm going to explain how this concept of success capacity applies. So one of my limiting beliefs is nobody in my extended family has ever run a super successful business, so I can't either. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the, the, the background, I haven't been raised the right way, whatever the fuck. No one else has done it in my, in my lineage, so I can't do it either. I only became aware of that limiting belief when I got the business to a certain level of success where I started bumping my head up against the fucking glass ceiling and I was like, what, what, what's going on here? Why can't I get through this? What is causing me to, to, to hit this glass ceiling? And that was the limiting belief. But I had to hit my head against the glass ceiling. I had to go through the difficulties. I had to come up against the obstacles. I had to have the really difficult business challenges to recognize that that belief was actually limiting further levels of business success. Let me give you another example. 
Another one of my limiting beliefs. I haven't seen anybody before me be a world-class athlete and run a world-class business at the same time, so it can't be done. I had to get to the point where I was a world-class athlete and running a world-class business and came up against the challenges that are associated with doing both to become aware of and recognize that that belief was actually limiting me getting to the next level. Had I not come up against those challenges, come up against the obstacles associated with trying to do both at the same damn time, I would, not, I would never have questioned it. I wouldn't even have noticed it. But because I have, now I've gone, oh, okay, well, <laughs> that's a belief that's limiting me. Let me question that. Is that true? Does that have to be true? No, it doesn't. Third one. And this one's big for me. I've spoken about this recently as well. It's my plate spinning analogy. I can't spin all of the plates at the same time. So certain parts of my life will have to give as I focus on others. I'm afraid of the plates that I'm not focused on falling. So the plate spinning analogy, it's like a clown at the circus spinning plates on the fucking sticks. One plate is my personal life, my marriage. Another plate is business. Another plate is my professional career as an athlete. Another plate is finances. All the different areas of my life spinning these fucking plates. I had to get to the point where the plate started falling for me to question this analogy and for me to question this limiting belief. Where the fuck did the spinning plates analogy come from? It got to a point where it was limiting me because it was no longer serving me. I can't spin all the plates at a particular point in time. Why the fuck am I even trying to spin all the plates at a particular point in time? I need to question that belief. I need to question that analogy and come up with one that's going to allow me to get through the next level. But had I not got to the point where I came up against the challenges and the obstacles and the difficulties of my first marriage falling apart or really difficult business challenges or turning my back on competing for a number of years. I had to go through that to get to the point where I became aware that this analogy was no longer serving me, where I became aware of this belief that was limiting my next level of success. And that's how success capacity plays out when it comes to recognizing and questioning limiting beliefs. You have to go through the difficult shit. Because if you don't, there's no way for you to recognize beliefs that are limiting your next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. The way you've broken that down and it's the way you become aware of it. Like awareness is key. Every single person in the world has limiting beliefs um, and they come from all different areas and times in your life. Um, mainly a lot of them, like mainly your childhood and just things that have, that have happened to you. And identifying and realizing them is the first step. And you've obviously, you've done that. You've realized you've, have, you've got limiting beliefs. You've got strong limiting beliefs now how to overcome them. Um, just note these down. Like Joe says, he knows his, um, especially well, his main ones anyway. I know the ones that I've uncovered thus far. Okay. Right? Because I've got, I've, I've developed a certain level of success capacity. But Brandon, I haven't even scratched the fucking surface. I mean, you'll have, you'll have one, like little ones all probably throughout the day. But do you yeah. think those, those are the most prominent? These are the biggest ones. 
that that I have that that like I say that so far I've developed the success capacity to recognize and question. But I can guarantee you, like I've had enough life experience to now know that there'll be other limiting beliefs. I just I'm not aware of them yet. But I will be when I get to the next big challenge, and I go, "What the fuck? What like?" What? Why? How? I don't understand. And then I'll dig deeper and I'll develop the success capacity to have the awareness and be able to recognize, okay, this is the next limiting belief. This is where it comes from. This is how I articulate it. Now that I'm aware of it, let me question it. And once, yeah, once you're aware of it and you've got, if you've got the main one, even if it's just one you're talking about, man, um, become aware of it and then you can obviously start breaking it down, start questioning it, start challenging it, ask like where it stemmed from, why do I have this limiting belief? Is it true? Like people you see that are that are happy and content with mediocrity, with being average or below average, they've either not identified their limiting beliefs, they haven't questioned them or they just haven't, they've just accepted them. They've just accepted them for it to be true. They've accepted that, okay, this is their destiny. Like, okay, my family, my family has always been poor. That that's must be what I'm what's destined for me. Okay. No one in my family's ever gone to university or had a degree. Okay, I might that's just that's just gonna be me. I'm just not gonna have a degree because that's what I've been dealt with. Um, I grew up in certain circumstances. How could I ever be successful? So that's when you start questioning it. Question, why not me? Like, why can't I be the first millionaire in my family? Why can't I be um the first successful uh world-class athlete and uh, world-class businessman or why can't I, what were the other ones that you said? For me, uh, world-class athlete, world-class businessman, the spinning plates is a massive limiting belief for me that I'm working through at the moment and no one in my family has run a super successful business before. Yeah. So once you started questioning that, what were your steps after that? When I became aware of the limiting belief was to question whether or not it was true. So then once you've questioned whether or not it's true, what after that? You start working to prove that it's not true. So is that like a do you is that something that you consciously keep in mind like all day, like every day? Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. how would you do Pretty that? Much. How would you make sure that it's at front of mind whenever it pops up? What I do is I have inbuilt responses now that when I start thinking the limiting belief, I've kind of got like in my back pocket. I guess, uh, um, I don't want to say defense mechanism. It's, it's more like an offense rather than defense. So I have like in my back pocket, when I start thinking this limiting belief, you know, I'm going through a business challenge, for example. And in my mind, it goes back to limiting belief. Well, no one in my family's run a super successful business before, so I can't either. I don't have what it takes. Well, my rebuttal to that, my offensive position to that is, well, someone has to be the first. And that, that's going to be me. I'm going to be the first. I'm going to be the one. Ed Milet has uh, this saying um, that just just popped into mind now and it's brilliant. He says, and it's in the context of limiting beliefs as well, he says that if you kind of trace any um, if you kind of trace the the, um, lineage of like any successful family At some point, there was one person who changed the trajectory of that family tree. There's always one. 
right? So perhaps a family, you know, was for generations was kind of doing the same thing and believing the same things and living the same sorts of lives. And then there was one person that said, no, fuck that. I'm taking the shit to the next level. That person becomes the one and they change the trajectory of that family forever. And so he talks about it as in like, you can be the one. And so that's effectively my rebuttal to that. It's like, well, someone has to be the first. I'm going to be the one. That's, that's, and, and that's kind of, I guess, you know, coming back to your question, and thank you for diving deeper into that because it's an important point, is you, you develop the responses to automatically question the limiting belief and go on the offense and go, okay, I used to believe that, right? And now I'm aware of it and it doesn't have to be true. And instead of having a belief that's limiting, I'm going to choose to believe something that's inspiring. You know, another great one um, to, to apply it to the spinning plates analogy. So, because that comes up a lot for me, especially like right now, because I'm, you know, I'm in a, a prep for a show. And um, so that's taking up like a lot of my time and my effort and my energy. And then I got all these different moving parts in the business happening. And then I'm trying to be the best husband I can be at the same time. Like I've, I've got a lot of different things happening and I'm, I keep coming back, right? And my, my mind keeps coming back to be careful. One of those plates is going to fall. And so my immediate response is that analogy doesn't serve me anymore. So why can't instead of the plates be spinning independently, why can't the plates come together like gears in synchronicity with each other? So, so long as I'm putting effort into the plate of business, that's actually going to help spin the plates or the gears that are related to my personal life, that's related to my prep, that's related to all the other areas of my life. So they're not independent plates that I need to go and spin one at a time. They actually all spin together because they're interconnected in, in, as gears in synchronicity with each other. So at the moment, that's one of the things that I keep in my back pocket wherever the plate analogy comes up. No, 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 they're not fucking plates, they're gears. So go and invest everything you've got into the prep and know that's going to help you become a better husband. It's going to help you become a better businessman. Go and invest everything you've got into the business. Leave nothing on the table. That's going to help you be a better athlete. That's going to help you be a better husband. And they're all interconnected. So that's how I question that limiting belief. No, that's awesome, man. At the end of the day, man, like some of us have had a tougher, tougher deck of cards. What's the, what's the... Delta, del del delta tougher deck of cards delta or delta, delta shit-handed cards? Yeah. yeah. So, some of us had, have had a tougher, a tougher time than others. Yeah. But use that shit as fuel, man. Like, aim, aim high, shoot for the sky. We all breathe the same air. We all bleed. We all have 24 hours in the day, man. Why can't it be you that makes that fucking change in your family? Like, why can't you be the one that changes everything, changes your bloodline? Pretty, pretty much, man, you take the pen and you write your own story. 100%. And that's a beautiful way of looking at it as well. It's a story. And you have a blank piece of paper and you have a pen and you can write whatever the fuck you want to write. And if you want to write the limiting beliefs, yeah, go for it. You can. Or you can choose to scrub those motherfuckers out. You write your own story, just like you said. You have all the power to shape your identity. It's not going to be easy though. No. You know, it's not, it's not as easy as writing no, a story. No. It's going to be really fucking hard. 
but it has to be because that's how you develop success capacity. That's how you develop the awareness of the limiting beliefs. That's how you get to a point where you can start questioning the limiting beliefs. And that's where you can start writing your own story. It has to be difficult. If, every, if it was easy, man, everyone, everyone would be there. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. That's a wrap. That's it, man. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. That was a good episode, man. Good question. Good questions, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Guys, if you have a question that you would like to submit for the very next installment of Your Four, the best place to send them is straight to Brandon on Instagram at Brandon Verde, B-E-R-D-E. That's it. I should spell Brandon. as that. Everyone knows everyone how to knows. spell Brandon. O-N, not A-N. O-N. B-R-A-N-D-O-N-V-E-R-D-E. Um, that's the best place to send them. You can send them to me as well at Joseph Mensel, and I'll just take a screenshot and send them to Brandon. He pulls four questions together and creates these awesome, the awesome content for these episodes where we take a deep dive. Um, but just keep in mind as well, guys, all the questions are anonymous. So, you know, if you want to ask something that that is vulnerable um, and you, you know, you want to ask it anonymously, we never say who the question's asked by. Um, so everything's anonymous. And we just hope that you guys enjoy listening and you take value from uh, the responses that we give. And the one thing we ask in return is that you guys share the show. Pretty simple. Take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram story, tag Brandon, tag myself, spread the love, spread the messages that we're trying to get across in the podcast. And that's it. Brandon, thank awesome. you very much. Thank you. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode. Thank you.